Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom. The Vikings let another winnable game slip away. Luke Inman and I break it down on today's Minnesota football party. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your. A new week on the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Welcome in. We're so glad you've joined us here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Please subscribe there or find us on the Locked On Vikings audio feed. We appreciate you watching and listening. I'm Sam Ekstrom, part of the crew here at Locked On Sports Minnesota, as is Luke Inman, my right-hand man. He's at Luke underscore Spinman on X. We're talking Vikings Chiefs today at 27-20 loss that drops the Vikings to one and four. Justin Jefferson injured. Not good. What does it mean? And if you want to get really pessimistic, is this division already over? Are we calling the fight after five weeks as good as the Detroit Lions look? And hey, congrats, Luke Inman. You want to parlay this weekend. We'll, of course, give you your due credit for that on today's show, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Go to America's number one sportsbook at fanduel.com slash locked on. Get started today. Bet five, get 200 in bonus bets. To our everydayers, we welcome you in. And we, like you, are sad because the story is the same every single Monday, it seems like. Missed opportunities, mistakes, uh, inability to convert in the red zone, last-minute drives that don't come through. It's all very disappointing. Now, I do have to, to put out an early disclaimer, Luke Inman. Uh, I do college hockey, play-by-play. Play. Some know this. Some don't care. Most don't care. Um, but I had obligations yesterday calling a hockey game. So I came home and watched the condensed version of this game, which is convenient. NFL Plus, you watch every single play. What you miss in that, you miss a lot of context around officiating controversy, around timeout usage, and around injuries. And these, I think, were all three very big factors in yesterday's game. So just quickly catch me up. Tell me about some of the officiating issues as you perceive them. Because I'm detecting a lot of angst, and I didn't fully grasp when I watched this, the, the overturned pass interference on Jordan Addison, and then a, ch you know, a, a challenge that KOC had, and then a, a controversial catch by the Chiefs. Seem like there were some plays that require a little more explanation. So just quick, catch me up to speed. Um, what are people most upset about after this one? Well, Sam, are you sure you want to go down this road because it's a dark, bleak one? We could talk about Pablo Lopez going seven strong last night, pitching a shutout. Twins tie it back up 1-1. They're coming home all tied a piece. What do you think? Are you sure? I mean, we Locked could just on Twins, twins. postcast, myself and Brandon It's the Warren. Minnesota baseball party, episode one right here. Beautiful. Let's just do a pivot right now. Let's talk twins. Uh, that no, would we, be fun. You can check us out on the Twins the postcast, though. We have you to go down this dark tunnel. Yeah, yeah, here's the thing, though, as far as those big uh, calls or non-calls, you could say. Let's start with the – how about the Travis Kelsey one? You know, that was such a bang-bang play that it looked at the time before the replay. Sure, KOC, throw out the, the red challenge flag. Probably worth it. Remember, it's third and seven, so even if they don't rule it an interception, and Sam, here's kind of what happened – it was a bang-bang play. Kelsey went to the ground, but Metellus ended up rolling over on top of him and popping up with the ball. So we're thinking, oh, my gosh, interception. KOC's thinking, 
If nothing else, maybe at worst, we can get it to be an incomplete pass. Maybe it's not a turnover, but it's an incomplete pass. Chiefs would have to punt at that point. Um, the problem was, once you saw the replay in slow motion, it's so obvious, Sam, yeah. that, that, that that challenge should have never been thrown at that point. And what I thought was most interesting, I guess is the word I'll, I'll use here, is in the postgame presser, KOC was pretty just cemented in his ways about that challenge. And he felt good about it. He felt, he said, I think 10 out of 10 times, I'm willing to challenge that again, knowing that even if it's not ruled an interception, if it is an incomplete pass, uh, they're punting the ball. We get the ball back. That drive turns into a touchdown, seven more points for the chiefs, critical juncture in the game there. And of course they lost that critical timeout, which they needed at the end of the game as well. So that was a bang-bang play. I think more people were frustrated after seeing the replay that who's ever in that headset up in the booth didn't walk you down to KOC and said, I know it looked close. I know it was a bang-bang play. I know this would be a, a crucial, critical juncture in the game if we can get this overturned. But I'm telling you, just watch the replay from multiple angles. Yeah. Don't do it. I know you're tempted. Don't do it. But again, just to hear KOC said, no, I, I would do that 10 out of 10 times. I feel good about that challenge. That was the actual part that surprised me the most about that one. And again, big yeah. critical juncture in that game as well, going from a potential interception, which you thought right away, to maybe an incomplete pass if they can get this challenge uh, uh, reversed, obviously. And then ultimately, they convert the, the third and seven, which turns into a touchdown, though. It was a big killer. The, the passive-aggressive way that KOC criticizes officiating is always so funny to me because he, <laughs> he he backs away from it and then slips it in kind of under the radar and and he seemed very upset about a helmet that was taken off in, in on this this key fourth so let's talk about the fourth down sure 27 20 vikings trailing cousins faces a zero blitz throws up a prayer to jordan addison addison to my eye seemed to get interfered with and flag is thrown. So what happened from there, Luke? So the, the player takes his helmet off and argues, which should have been another flag. And the pass interference flag gets waved off. Why? What did Sterator weigh in on this or, or whoever the rules analyst is for CBS? So I don't remember if they did have Gene come in specifically on that. But I will say, first of all, you, you got a... a blitzing nickel corner screaming in on Kirk Cousins. He's got absolutely no time. He's just got to throw a YOLO ball up. It's fourth and 12. Got to make a play. Okay. So he throws the YOLO ball up. And I will say nine out of 10 times, that is absolutely either pass interference or illegal contact for sure. Completely agree. The problem was the ball was so off target that they ruled it probably incatchable, right? And the fact that Jordan Addison didn't even get his head around to the ball and locate the ball and make an effort and a play to go towards the actual target where that ball dropped about, seemed like about seven yards almost to his left inside the hashes from the boundary. Um, I think that was eventually why they ended up picking up the flag because again, they ruled it. It was an uncatchable ball. Also, I will say, if you want to start to get a little nitpicky here, Jordan Addison probably needs to make a better move and sell that a little bit better. He and needs KOC to work on the acting that skills a in little the bit presser. more. Yep. 
KOC yep. mentioned and, that. And, and this is always going to be a thing with Jordan Addison, this size. He gets pushed around a little bit. He's got to work on the details of the craft a little bit more, and I hope he uses this as a learning lesson to, again, hone that craft. And, yeah, I know it. it. You're an athlete. You're paid to go make plays. But sometimes part of this game, believe it or not, is actually flipping on the acting skills a little bit. All the best receivers in the league have always done it for years and years. Uh, he's got to figure that out a little bit. He got pushed around. He didn't sell it enough. He didn't get his head turned around fast enough. He didn't make a play on the ball. So I think the officials ruled the ball in uncatchable and ultimately picked that flag up. The other thing, too, is, Sam, before that 330 Vikings game, I was watching an amazing division rival battle, Steelers, Ravens. Now, in the mm -hmm. last play of the game, TJ Watt sacked Lamar Jackson, ended the game, took off his helmet, and what did they do? Now, the fourth down was already said and done. So you got that Steelers ball game over. But they still flew, threw a flag, Sam, because TJ Watt can't take your helmet off and, and you know, while the game's still going on while you're on the field. So um, they clearly they call those all the time in the National Football League. Why they didn't call this one on Sneen? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I'm drafting up a letter right now to Roger Goodell. We're going to figure it out because that was pretty bogus. I think Vikings fans have a right to get upset and be frustrated about that no call as well. You could even see, if you can read lips at all, you could see the officials as they are grouping together, figuring out why we're going to pick up this flag right here, telling Sneed, hey, put your helmet back on, dude. Put your helmet. Why are you helping him out, man? Just throw the flag. Um, that would have been a, a huge, obviously, 15 yards as well. And that would have been a, a, a critical turning point, you would think, during that game as well, when the Vikings obviously needed just kind of a, a something goofy. All right, if you're not going to convert the play on your own, you're going to need something goofy like a bogus flag. Well, that was it. Sneed gave it to you. He, he, he wrapped it up. He put the bow on there, but... The official didn't call it. So of the mm -hmm. two, Sam, I think Vikings fans should be pretty frustrated about that Sneed no call. Yeah, double whammy there with the helmet and the the overturned flag. Yeah, I can I can yep. see where Twitter would have been losing its its collective mind in that moment. So coaching grade though on KOC in this one between what you've described as kind of a rogue challenge, timeout usage in the second half. So throwing away a timeout with that challenge using one on defense, using one on offense on a second and 10 early in the third quarter. It was like um, the first drive, Sam. It was like for, the Vikings' first drive. Right. And a really, yeah, an ugly three and out, too, after the Chiefs had scored to open up the second half. Um, and, you know, basically, the Vikings gave the Chiefs two opening drives in this game because they fumbled on the first play. So you give them a short field, they score, then they get it in the sec start of the second half and score. Can't happen against Patrick Mahomes. But but if you're giving KOC a coaching grade in this game, you've got timeout mismanagement, challenge mismanagement. Um, you could argue maybe some clock mismanagement. I don't know how people were reacting to the way they handle that final drive. Maybe that's more the execution of, of the players. And then I think you could also nitpick kicking a field goal on fourth and relatively short in the red zone when you had gone for it in more aggressive situations around the 40 yard line. So what would you give KOC for a grade in this one? It, it, before we touch on that, I just real yeah. quickly want to say the, the, the penalties thing, of course, Vikings fans have every right to be frustrated and mad about what happened at the end. Again, I think Jordan Addison needs to sell that a little bit more. It was uncatchable, so you can't really lose too much sleep over it. But the Sneed whole thing, that was ridiculous. Having said that, though, 
Chiefs had 10 penalties for 86 yards. Vikings only had four for 51. There was one drive, yeah. Sam, you probably missed it, that the Chiefs were called for four penalties on the same drive three of them went against Justin Jefferson they were trying to jam him at the line of scrimmage okay legal hands to the face there's a free five yards and a free first down they only turned that into three points mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it that was frustrating as well so when you look at the big picture yes easy because it was magnified at the end of the game those penalties or no calls anyways against the Chiefs big picture Chiefs were all over, excuse me, the rest were all over the Chiefs in this one. Again, 10 penalties, 86 yards. As far as KOC and the grade I would give him, um, you know, you go back to last year and they won all those one-score games and, and they just put it all together during the final two minutes of each half, not just the last two minutes of the game, but even going into the first half, right, those final two minutes, I'm not going to say they were flawless and perfect, but man, they were clearly one of the better coach teams in the league when it came to the situational awareness, situational mm -hmm. masterclass yesterday, situational disaster class. Am I right? Like it was terrible. I would give him a, <laughs> yes. a D plus, And I think that's probably maybe even giving him the benefit of doubt on a few kind of 50, 50 things that, you know, ultimately I think are easy to nitpick on him, but you know, you could say that for any of the other 31 coaches in the league, had they done it as well, but it was, it was bad, man, all the way around. You know, I look at that timeout, you're coming out of halftime. You mentioned it. Chiefs go down, march, put their marching boots on, go down and score gut punch. That's brutal. All right, your turn, though. Go respond. You got to use a timeout, your opening drive coming out of halftime. Inexcusable, man. If you just got to eat the delay a game or you don't have the right look, inexcusable. You just can't have that happen five weeks into the NFL season now. The one that really chapped me, though, was the defensive timeout. It's fourth and short. Kadarius Tony is in. You just kind of had a funny feeling that they were going to throw a lot of window dressing on this play and try to get the Vikings to draw, jump off sides. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. They were never going to hike the ball, and yet KOC felt like he didn't have the defensive personnel in the game that he wanted. He didn't have the right look, so he called a timeout when, again, in the end, probably could have pocketed that. He didn't need to use that knowing that they were obviously not going to hike the ball. So that was huge yeah. as well. You needed those, obviously. First half, you know what? Nobody really cared. We kind of gloss over mm -hmm. the timeouts in the first half. Second half, though, man, those are like gold. Those are worth their weight. It's a possession. Gold. It's a possession, man. Absolutely. You need all three at the end of the game. And to not have those at those critical moments near the end clearly played a huge factor in not only the way they had to call the offense at the end, but their execution as well. Um, and the, uh, I'm with you, Sam. I'm putting that on KOC. Yeah, absolutely. And to use, I believe, their final timeout in that defensive situation, um, when just having even one timeout, you could have prevented that awful delay of game yeah. on the fourth down, and you wouldn't have had – and. Again, poor execution and the one-minute drive, not getting out of bounds on a couple occasions, but you needed that one in your back pocket to save 10, 15 seconds and give yourself a shot to get multiple throws to the end zone when they eventually got zero because they had no time. Uh, we're talking injuries after this because Justin Jefferson goes down. His uh, you know, next week, certainly in jeopardy and potentially beyond. We don't have a lot of information yet, but other guys got banged up during this game as well. So we'll talk about injury impact after a word from FanDuel. 
FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And if you're a new customer, you want to get in the action, you've heard us talking about FanDuel for many weeks now. We're five weeks into the NFL season. It is not too late for you to take advantage of their excellent promotion going on right now. FanDuel.com slash locked on. New customers can bet five and get 40 times their money, $200 deposited in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, that money is guaranteed. And you can put that on spreads, props, player props, futures, uh, outside of football, bet the MLB playoffs, bet the NBA preseason, so many ways to wager, dozens of ways per game in the NFL season to wager at FanDuel. It is very easy to use. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is very convenient and intuitive. Check it out today. Bet five, get 200. FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right, Mr. Spinnin, uh, Justin Jefferson injured. And again, you'll have to give me a little bit more context, but uh, pulled up on a route, kind of a non-contact deal, soft tissue injury that, uh, and he's had a couple scares yeah, this he year has. that he has come right back from. This one sidelined him for the rest of the game. And we've seen how hamstrings can affect receivers with all the quick twitch, with all the changes of direction that make Justin Jefferson great, this doesn't seem like a quick heal. Now, we don't really know how good of a healer Justin Jefferson is because he's been so durable. He hasn't really had to come back from stuff in his career thus far. We've seen Adam Thielen try this with the hamstring, and it was really hard for him. Maybe Justin Jefferson is different. There was optimism, I felt like, in the postgame, but I also felt like they really didn't know. And I, I believe that. I believe that you don't know how a hamstring is going to respond. And, hey, we've been talking about it on the Twins postcast for, for two weeks with Royce Lewis. When you're asked to suddenly go from zero to 60, you might feel fine, but how does that hamstring respond? Justin Jefferson could be out for multiple weeks, and I actually suspect that that they will be cautious with him. I don't think they want to you know, burn him out against Chicago. I'd be surprised if he plays. Um, what do you think is the impact of losing a Justin Jefferson for one or multiple weeks here, Luke? And just real quick to echo what you said, Sam, you're right. Yeah. We don't know what kind of guy he is, again, when he's rehabbing and things like that. We He's been so durable. I mean, again, knock on wood, hopefully this isn't a long-term thing, but um, I'm glad they were optimistic last night. We don't know anything until this morning. They don't know anything until this morning, how he wakes up and how that hammy responds. Once the swelling goes down, they can finally do an MRI. They can kind of get in there, see what kind of tissue damage is in there. What grade is it? You mentioned great point. We just went th through this whole thing with Royce Lewis, grade one, grade two, grade three. I'll echo and magnify what you said. Hammies with receivers specifically, explosive players, uh, people and athletes who kind of, rely on their explosiveness the hamstrings man one of the worst things that can happen they can linger they take a long time to fully heal and even if you know he gets back to okay i can play today is he ever going to be 100 percent healthy the rest of the season again we don't know again i'm just kind of guessing at this point just going off the history of watching other wide receivers struggle with this type of injury before in the past been watching football for 25 years sam hammies with wide receivers specifically definitely can linger um how's this going to affect the offense though you know Kirk cousins when jj's on the field 
7.3 yards per attempt. When he's not on the field, 6.2 yards per attempt. So that tells you a lot just right there, black and white, the stats as far as the big play weapon he's always been for Kirk Cousins. Then obviously, too, we know the impact he has, whether he puts up big numbers in the box score or not, just given all the extra defensive attention he constantly soaks up on literally every play, Sam, being double-bracketed, double-covered, sometimes triple-covered, um, that's worth its waiting gold to the offense itself and, and the things you can get away with when defenses are scheming towards one guy. So now where does that extra attention go? Now you're likely looking at defensive looks that can get more aggressive on you. In fact, they may be okay with using that extra guy they would normally use on JJ to roam around in the box, right? To stop the run or to send an extra blitzer on those third and long situation. There's a lot of extra wrinkles you can get into now as a defensive play caller when you don't need to cement two guys on Justin Jefferson every single play. So I do think you're going to see more pressure on the timing and communication on the offensive line for one, but more so the pressure on the timing of the passing game with Kirk Cousins and these receivers. It's going to have to be on point, man. Practice during the week is going to be so critical and so huge for these guys, getting their timing down, getting their chemistry down. It's like I think of Jordan Addison now, and this could be his time to step up if J.J. is actually out. He's going to get a ton of opportunities and show and prove why he was a first-round pick and all that. And he's definitely got the goods, too. I think we all know that. Everybody's seen that by now. Got the speed, got the crafty route running, got the hands, all that. The one thing I worry about now, though, is just given his size, when you're being counted on more and more, especially on the boundary as an outside receiver, it's mm -hmm. so critical to get off the line of scrimmage cleanly and not get jammed up because when you do – it throws off the whole timing, the whole rhythm of the play and the quarterback's tempo and trying to get through his progressions and reads. So uh, we already know, you know, when he can get a free release off the line of scrimmage cleanly, he's a huge weapon. We've already seen that. But I was suspect now with J.J. out, again, we'll find out the severity of it, but I'm assuming if and when J.J. does go out, I would suspect that teams will try and use Jordan Addison's size against him try to get physical with him at the line of scrimmage, try to jam him, give some safety help over the top. If they do get beat at the line of scrimmage, still got help over there. And again, we've seen from him so far, just through not only four and a half, five games, but training camp as well. That's just not really his strength so far. So that's my worry. But again, huge opportunity for him and everybody in the passing game now to step up and kind of be the guy that Kirk can count on to make some big plays because I don't think you can replicate Justin Jefferson with one guy. It's going to have to be the cliche team effort now, and everyone's going to have to step up and do mm -hmm. their part. That includes the offensive line and the running game as well too, Sam. We've never seen Kirk without Jefferson, but precedent pre-Jefferson with Thielen and Diggs, we saw him without Thielen for a period, mm -hmm. and he did quite well mm -hmm. in 2019. Uh, Stefan Diggs thrived. BC Johnson, if you remember, wasn't stellar, but did step up and had some nice games. When Thielen got COVID in 2020, remember there was no Diggs that year either. Uh, it was young Jefferson and it was BC Johnson and Chad Beebe. And Kirk Cousins played well in that game. So there is precedent for the Vikings having life, having hope without a star receiver. But Losing Justin Jefferson for the first time, that is a different animal because the attention that he draws, I think, is greater than any attention 
uh, drawing receiver the Vikings had in the Kirk Cousins era. So you go forward. You don't have Jalen Naylor, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, that one's a bummer. Yeah. You don't have who I think could have thrived given the chance. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to be Brandon Powell. They have elevated Nikhil Harry a couple weeks. We'll see if they pull the Thayer Thomas card. That's what I'm personally rooting for. But more than likely, Brandon Powell gets an elevation here. And we'll see what he can offer. And I thought he offered some good stuff in this game from what I saw um, with that little jet sweep, getting down the field a little bit. I think Brandon Powell uh, has some untapped potential as well. Let me hit the uh, my favorite sound effect because we do have the PFF grades. Ooh, um, lay a bomb. I think are informative. Usually the first one I click on is blocking. Okay. Vikings allowed 12 pressures in the game. Uh, three from O'Neal. Three from uh, from Cleveland. Where's that Ingram? Three from Ingram and a sack. So I assume, Luke, that people were uh, up in arms about Ed Ingram again during this game. Um, yes and no. I mean, Sam, the bar is set so low now, <laughs> right? We're kind of ingrained, right? We're, we're, yeah. we're just so used to like, okay, what's he going to do on this play? I thought Ezra Cleveland, uh, again, he had his good moments. He had a couple great blocks and good plays. The offensive line, I think just in general, again, we're so ingrained on blaming them for everything when it comes to the offensive woes. I thought they played better and better since week mm-hmm. one every single game I think they're starting to come together ironically enough right when they do bring Dalton Reisner in but um Ezra there was a few plays where he really got toasted by mm-hmm. Chris Jones Chris Jones then with his versatility being the superstar he is moves to defensive end moves to the outside as an edge rusher and puts a couple nasty moves on Brian O'Neill and you know if you're meet, beating Brian O'Neill uh, you're doing something right you're you're, you're you're in that elite echelon because Brian O'Neill uh, is one of the most rock solid right tackles in the entire league. So um, Ezra, I thought, you know, when you go back and look at the tape and we'll find out, we'll talk to Luke Brown and Rifasan on Thursday and break down the X's and O's. But I thought Ezra's lows were even lower than Ed Ingram yesterday. Not great. Um, next, I look at blitz rate because that's the most compelling kind of defensive angle, I think, with Brian Flores. Patrick Mahomes blitzed 56% of dropbacks. Um, And, I mean, Luke, I talked about this on the roundtable. Let me hit you with the Chiefs' third down percentage and rank in the Patrick Mahomes era because this is what what happens. You get him in third and long. You think you've got him. You blitz him. And Patrick Mahomes, time and time again, pulls the rabbit out of the hat and converts these impossible third downs. And what happened yesterday? He's throwing up YOLO balls against zero blitz. Cam Bynum is in perfect position. And a receiver who I didn't even know existed makes the catch. These are the KC third down ranks in the Mahomes era. Third, 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 first, second, third. It's unreal. It's It's uncanny. And yesterday, I said on the round table, they got to hold them to 30% on third down. You got to get off the field. Mm -hmm. And they go 9 of 15, 60%. And again, caught, and I think this is the Flores way. He's trying to rush the opposing quarterbacks, regardless of who they are. Caught in blitzes, though, a couple times. Would you agree? Absolutely. Kind of darned if you do, darned if you don't, so to speak. You know, if you blitz him, he'll find the open man. Uh, He he trusts his receivers. And by the way, his accuracy, it's not just luck and Andy Reid drawn up the right place. His accuracy 
is the best in the game right now. I mean, he there was a couple balls yesterday that he put that in the perfect spot. Great coverage, great call by Brian Flores, dialed up the right play call, perfect coverage. Mahomes puts these balls in spots that just nobody comes close to, right? It's just almost impossible. So um, if you don't blitz him and bring heat, he sits back there too long, um, eventually scrambles out, makes a play. I will say going into yesterday, Sam, Mahomes was only sacked twice all year through four yeah. games. Vikings sacked him twice yesterday, one by Hunter, one by Davenport. I know we're going to talk about some optimistic things at the end of the show. This Davenport-Hunter combo is starting to warm up a little bit in back-to-back -back weeks, going back to that Panther game last week. But, yeah, you kind of darned if you do, darned if you don't. You know, Mahomes didn't rush a single scramble yesterday either. He's usually wildly deadly with his legs. So I thought they contained him pretty well as well. So um, it, it's just, this is who they are, man. I mean, they are the best for a reason. This Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey combo is one of the best in the NFL, if not the best um, that we've ever seen. So um, it's really tough to figure out. I know Ryan Flores was going to have a hard time no matter what. I know going into the week, a lot of the reporting questions that KOC and Brian Flores were asked were, how do you blitz this guy? What do you do? Going into Sunday, I think you may have the numbers better than I do, but I think Flores was blitzing at 54% rate, which was easily number one in the league. Yeah, I think right. there was only two other teams that were over 40. So uh, this is what he does. He's going to live and die by the blitz. It reminds me of like Rex Ryan's 2009 Jets and Greg Williams uh, with the Saints. Like they just live off the blitz. The problem is I think back to those defenses that I just mentioned. What do they all have in common? Daryl Revis, great cornerbacks. and we Personnel. Just, yeah. Personnel, right? Talent. <laughs> uh, just simple talent. No, um, we just don't have the, the, the you know, Guys at corner right now, they just don't have the experience, <laughs> right. Sam. That's all it comes down to. Byron Murphy is playing solid. Um, he's going to continue to be their number one guy. I thought Makai Blackman, when he came in for a Caleb Evans, which another injury report we're going to have to check later today and this week, I thought Makai Blackman actually played pretty decent. He had an interception go through his hands. Don't know if you saw that on the yep. version. Um, but he was in the right position to make plays more times than not. So this is year one of a new defense. Um, you know, when you're going up against – against an offense like uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Andy Reid, you, you do your best to just limit and contain the big plays as much as possible. You try not to shoot yourself in the foot. All in all, they only gave up 27 points. I think they could have easily gave up less than that if they, again, wouldn't have shot themselves in the foot a few times. But um, they're the best in the league for a reason, man. And I think we're going to continue to see Brian Flores dial up the blitzes and just hope the Vikings can, week by week, it's a little trial and error, but tighten the screws on the detail. The devil's in the details with this defense, Sam. And the more they get used to the communication, where they, where they need to be, um, the timing and everything is more spot on and gets better and better. And then Davenport and Hunter continue to stay healthy and do what they're doing up front. I think you're going to see improvements on this defense for sure. I mean, I'm looking at the pressure numbers on Mahomes. He got pressured 21 times, Yeah, didn't scramble, and goes... 17 of 23 for 152 and two touchdowns, no picks. Unbelievable. Under, when, when blitzed. Yeah. What do you, I mean, what, yeah. What are you going to do? What yeah. Do, I mean, that's yeah. just, that's aliens. And, and I will say too, Sam, the first four weeks, okay, Flores, love that you're dialing it up. Love that you're blitzing. You're not getting home or you're getting home. You're not finishing the sack. You're doing all the hard work. You're not bringing down the quarterback. 
I mean, their their average sack rate on blitzes was like nine percent. It was atrocious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was less. You know, bo- easy bottom half of the league. Um, with Davenport in the mix, though, now I just wonder if this whole thing starts to come together a little bit more. And again, week by week, they continue to still be a boomer bust defense. You know, the highs are going to be great. The lows are going to be tough to swallow. A lot of chunk plays involved there, but hopefully more turnovers, which we haven't seen a lot of. And then again, more pressure, which leads to more sacks ultimately as well. But think about it. They gave up 67 yards rushing, 3.2 yards per carry. Um, They sacked Mahomes twice. You know, I mean, they did some good things here, Sam. And I don't want to lower the bar on them too much and just give them a free pass because it's year Mm -hmm. one. But think about it. Any year or any time during a, a new defensive scheme, usually it takes the coach a year or two, like a full offseason, to draft the guys I need to bring in here. Granted, they brought in Byron Murphy. They hit on Ivan Pace. They brought in Marcus Davenport. But it takes time, man. It, it, we're only five games into this whole thing. So I'm actually encouraged, believe it or not, by the things we've seen from the defense so far, specifically the past two weeks. And if, if you had to pick which unit yeah. has been more frustrating through five weeks, Based on the expectation level, oh, dude, I think it's the offense. Offense for sure. The, the, yeah, turno- you're, you're the turnovers to... alone, yeah, are enough to to set you back and admit that that's why you're one and four right there, hundred percent. But you're supposed to be the identity mm-hmm. of this team. Hawkinson gets the extension. JJ in year four, like whole thing's supposed to come together. KOC and Kirk in year two of the system. You're supposed to be a top five offense in this league, and clearly they're not right now. They show flashes. They show flashes of being a good team. I do not think they're as bad as the one and four record indicates. Um, the running game has been an issue, Sam. It's funny, though, if you actually look at the EPA, the running game from the 20 yard line to the 20 yard line. So the middle of the field, they've had one of the highest EPAs in the league running the ball, actually super efficient running the ball in between the 20s. The problem is they get into the red zone, the yeah. wheels completely fall off. That's been a huge part of the red zone struggles with the offense just in general. In fact, they're dead last in EPA once they get into red zone rushing. So mm-hmm. total Jekyll and Hyde thing going on. That's going to have to be worked on. They got to clean that up. They got to clean the mistakes in the red zone moving forward, obviously. But got to figure out some balance here. Madison, we know who he is. We know what he's good at. We know what he can't do. Akers offers a nice compliment now, a little bit more juice. Um, They got to figure out what that whole thing needs to look like and what they want it to look like moving forward. They got to get the running game going as well. When I get Luke Spinman talking about red zone EPA, I'm going to hit him with one of these. Analytics fans rejoice. It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the nerdy stat of the day. Well done, my friend. Hey. Uh, that was that was a great night. That was very Arifian. Yeah. Very, very Braun-esque. Big shoes to fill here. No yeah. Braun, no Arif, no analytics yeah. going on. Big shoes, but, you know, I don't want to brag about it. I thought I did pretty good right there. Well, we'll miss those guys. We miss those guys today. We'll get them back on Thursday along with Ron Johnson. These cowards didn't show up because they lost their parlay bets. Oh, and one of, I can't, one of I can't us really did. talk much because, you know, I've been <laughs> well, kind hey, of a no-show once in a while. Your record when you actually make picks is one and two. You know, because you lost the weeks that we picked for you. So you're actually you're doing pretty well. Um, We're going to talk about the division and maybe Luke can sprinkle in some optimism here and talk me off the ledge. But I'm pondering whether or not Vikings fans should just concede the division. If you want to think wild card, you can. 
But is this thing over after watching the dominance we've seen from Detroit really for much of the year? They could be 5-0, and if not for an overtime loss. Uh, that's coming up after a word from Jace Medical. You got to be prepared in life. Unfortunately, life is unpredictable. So how can you mitigate that? How can you feel peace of mind and security? Well, Jace Medical is giving you that opportunity for that peace of mind by offering you the Jace case, which provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, gives you that peace of mind that you're looking for. So it's not a crapshoot. You're not just knocking on wood, hoping that you have the right care. You have confidence because you're working with professionals in your online evaluation, helping you get licensed pharmacy medication and they deliver and they help you with ongoing consultation and care. So you're not caught unprepared and you have confidence in that process that you have the best possible remedies for whatever life might throw at you. So get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked on one word locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. J A S E medical.com. Get that peace of mind, get that security, and get it today. Luke, the Lions are four and one, the Vikings are one and four. Now they haven't played each other and they don't until December, but it's a three game deficit in the division, and Detroit looks like an absolute wagon. And look at the way they handled Carolina compared to the way Minnesota handled Carolina. They beat the Chiefs. Vikings did not beat the Chiefs. I know the transitive property doesn't always work like that in sports, but Detroit looks really, really good in comparison to the operation that we've watched with the Vikings week in and week out. So is there reason to believe the Vikings can make a run at this? And we've talked about the schedule, Luke. It lightens up. You've talked about some of the pass rush is encouraging. Some pieces of the defense are encouraging. Uh, give people some hope if you have it going forward with this three-game deficit in the division. Well, you just said it, Sam. They haven't played a division game yet, so I know it's been a brutal start so far, but until we see them lose a few division games, you just cannot throw in the towel yet. Six division games still on deck, three to end the year. Detroit, Packers, Detroit, 16, 17, 18. That's ultimately what's going to make or break them by the end of this thing and what could actually save them and pull them out of this massive hole they've dug themselves in so far. So not saying it's going to be easy. You just laid out a lot of great bullet points. The Detroit Lions look a completely different team. Uh, not saying it's realistic that, you know, they go 6-0 and in these division games or anything like that. But if you can go 4-2, and I think you're right in the thick of it again, especially in this week NFC this year. And who knows? Anything can happen. And again, I get it. The Lions have clearly taken a step forward. There were some people who bought into all the hype. The other half of the people said, I got to wait and see it with my own two eyes. Until then, it's still the you know, same Detroit Lions that we've always seen. But they've drafted well the past couple of years. They've built a contender. But these division games are always so close. And who knows? Anything can happen. It's still a long season with a lot of games left to play, man. I know it's been a brutal mm -hmm. start, but I mean, we've got like 70% of the schedule left. So that's like, that's like the Minnesota twins giving up in late May, you know, or early June. There's a lot of football left to be played. And the bottom line is this team is not as bad, Sam, as the one in four record indicates. I mean, Luke and I talked about it last night on the postcast. 
Um, you know, they're a better team than they were last year in multiple areas. I think they've improved in some key facets of the game. They've been in every single one of these games, all a one possession thing coming down to the wire. They're always competitive every week. The defense, again, I talked about it last segment, continues to get better week by week. And most importantly, too, I think they got a quarterback that's, you know, by now, whether you love him or hate him, Kirk Cousins, he's shown he can bring them back from big deficits with some talented weapons around him in the passing game. So we'll see what happens with JJ, but it definitely starts this week in Soldier Field. You got to win this first division game on the road, build some momentum back up, get your confidence back, build the swag back because you lose this game. All of a sudden, you're one and five versus the Niners on Monday night primetime football, then the Packers on the road, and one and seven doesn't look that unrealistic unfortunately and I don't know what you do if it gets to that point I really don't I don't know what kind of conversations you and I and Luke and Arif are having that week mm -hmm. if we do get to that point but it's all self salvageable if you win next week you know I mentioned the running game in the EPA in between the 20s been phenomenal figure out the red zone stuff man the offensive line as much as we're again so ingrained so conditioned to blame them for the majority of the offensive issues They've gotten better and better every week yeah. as well. They've cleaned a lot of things up since week one. So that's encouraging. I think the defense, again, is going to continue to just tighten up the screws, tighten some things up because these brand-new defenses do take some time. The devil's in the details on that side of the ball, so to speak, and you just have to go through the growing pain, so to speak, of cleaning the little things up week by week. But think about it, man. The, the run defense again, rock solid yesterday. I thought they did some really good things against Mahomes. He didn't have a scramble. He was sacked twice yesterday as well. So you've seen the the impact of Marcus Davenport now with Daniil Hunter, who's got six sacks on his own. That whole thing is starting to click more and more. The secondary, you probably missed it. They said it on the broadcast yesterday. The secondary is called for their first pass interference call all year. Yeah. So four game, four and a half games they win without getting a call, uh, defensive pass interference or illegal contact. So that's nice to see. That tells you they're being coached up pretty well. But it's just a lot of trial and error, man. I do think as the season, the defense is going to get better and better. And uh, I think with Davenport now in the mix, the run game has shown some flashes defensively I'm talking about. And maybe most importantly, the offensive line now, Sam, it just isn't the disaster that they were last year that we got used to so much. One note on the red zone Vikings were eighth last year down to 20th this year and red yeah. zone touchdown percentage. Mm. I'm getting some 2020 vibes though from this team. Pretty, mm -hmm. pretty. And I, I always am looking for comparisons between seasons and it's a different coaching staff, but you know, Kirk cousins is still the quarterback and, he has shown a propensity to, to come alive for a stretch every season where the Vikings will rattle off four out of five or something along those lines. And, and Kirk Cousins has been known to, to typically, he beats teams he should beat. Um, so you look at the Bears, you look at the Falcons, the Saints, the Broncos, Bears again, Raiders. So many winnable games coming up in the month of November, especially, and the rest of October. You remember 2020, Luke? They started one and five. Yeah. Trade deadline. Yeah. They dealt in Gakwe, mm -hmm. came out of the deadline. They played at Green Bay and won. And it changed the complexion of that season. And then it's like they stole one, right? And then all they had to do was beat the teams they needed to beat. And suddenly they were six and six. And people were excited about that football team again. And it's very 
glass half full of us to, to, to think of it that way. I know some would rather have us talk about the tank and about the quarterbacks they can get next year. And I will talk about it ad nauseum when that time comes. But living in the now, laying out a path for this team to get back in the mix, it's not unrealistic. So like, I'm almost cautioning you not to go down the tank road until they've lost eight or nine games or 10. Like, because I don't think this team is going to go into tank mode. I think they're going to keep trying to win. Well, they absolutely will and, too, Sam. And and this is not the same old purple Kool-Aid drinking, purple glasses fan base right now that say, "Oh, well, you know what? Uh, you know, things are going to be different. You know, the, the luck is the luck regression, you know, that'll wear out eventually. They'll they'll actually grow back to the mean right now. They've been so unlucky, if not actually the most unluckiest team in the NFL through the first 5 weeks. But the 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 the, the whole conversation I think revolves around this team is not as bad as their one and four record right now. I think the problem is it's 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 not a simple fix, right? It's not just one guy like uh, Alexander Madison keeps fumbling. We just got to figure out this one thing. It's like a. Uh, uh, Every week, Sam, the script writers in the NFL uh, uh, give us a new villain, right, to to throw the hat uh, against the TV every week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the drive killers, the key Eric plays. Thompson. That was <laughs> That's Eric right. Thompson shout out, shout out, ET, right? Um, brutal, <laughs> by the way. I think he had that nice Samsung thin TV, unbelievable. Mounted. But- yeah, unbelievable. But it's a new player every time is my point, Sam. Like, if it was the same guy or same problem every week, it'd be an easy fix. It's like CSI Minneapolis we're watching. There's a new villain or bad guy every single week. And then you add on to that. A lot of times, it's plays where you look back and it's like, man, oh, dude, the play call was perfect. And you had... 10 other guys that did their job and executed the play perfectly, but there's always, it feels like so far through five games, that one guy that just didn't go make the play, you know, the Madison drop screen pass. That's the one that sticks out to me because again, it was the perfect play call against the pressure that was dialed up. It was one of the few rare times this year. We've seen the offensive line set up the timing of the screen pass perfectly perfect execution everything looked picture perfect you got the look and more importantly you got the execution you wanted and once again it's just one guy not doing his job on that one play madison catches that pass it's a tie ball game he walks into the end zone and it's just every week there's a handful of them great execution on the blitz on third and 17 third and forever Mahomes throws this YOLO ball up because it's Mahomes and he's going to do Mahomes things, but Bynum, dude, you're in perfect position. Go make a huge interception and it goes through your hands. And Bynum's been great this year, in my opinion. So it's hard to get mad at these guys or say, oh, you know, we got to tighten the leash. We, we got to put in, you know, Josh Metellus more or, you know, Lewis scene time. Oh, that's really tough, man. Josh Oliver, he's been tremendous this year as a tight end too arguably the best blocking tight end in the league. So it's hard to say, oh, you fumbled on the opening play, so you're cut. Bye-bye. Like, I don't know, man. Like, you got 10 guys doing their jobs more times than not. You got the present wrapped, nice and neat. You've done the hard part. Now you just need to put the bow on top, go finish the play, go get the cherry on the top of the ice cream sundae. And that's been the Achilles heel so far through five games. It's, It's super maddening. It's very frustrating. But the point is they are actually underneath it all playing some good football. They played five one possession games. They're one in four in those games, and I, I gotta I gotta do a stat head search and see where the Vikings rank in just one possession games played over the last 
three, four seasons because it's got to be number one if, in the NFL. If you're a uh, a football better and you like your teaser bets, I don't know why you wouldn't just <laughs> tease the Vikings with seven points every game. And because they're always in these one possession games, right? Like you just get the Vikings with all those points and it's almost a sure thing. 20 out of the last 22 games, it feels like. I would love for you to pull up those stats and bust them out on Thursday's episode. That'd be that, great. Yeah, Thursday will be rejoined by Braun and Hassan and Ron for the five-man panel. Um, we'll end with this, Luke. Congratulations, your first parlay win of the year. Hey, well done. appreciate it. I don't want to well brag done. about you know. But, uh, yeah, I just knew it. You know, And, and what's funny, I, I text you my picks, and I, I thought to myself, I got, you know what, a reef's probably, like, ripping on these picks. So I went back, and I actually watched the replay of the show. And sure enough, fast forward to the end, a reef. First thing, has he watched the Steelers play this year? <laughs> okay. All right. It's his money. Sure enough. And yeah, I mean, they made it dramatic. They were losing literally the entire game, 58 minutes of the game, but Steelers ended up winning. I got my Steelers plus four and a half. Those division games are always close. Steelers Ravens mm-hmm. at home. You got Steelers at home getting four and a half. I just felt it, Sam. And then Bijan, it took him all four quarters, but he got his anytime touchdown. So yeah, it feels good to be back on the board. I think, uh, I've learned my lesson. I just need to make sure I'm here to make these picks. We are we're tightly bunched. We've all yeah. got one win. Yeah. We're all one and four. The leader is uh Hassan with eleven eighty, and I'm in last with eight ninety two. So it could swing on a dime any week. We had some bad beats this week. Um Arif had Texans plus one and a half. They lost by two Ooh. late. Last second field goal. Ooh. And the Chiefs. Braun had Chiefs over 28 and a half. They scored 27. Um, so a couple parlays were denied at the wire. And and what happened to Sam Ekstrom's picks again? What did you have? You, oh, you had uh, Washington Thursday night. So you, so you were toast before I was Sunday toast even and, rolled around. But I think I've found something here. And I don't want to you know clue you in too much, but the 49ers have scored on their opening drive every single game, and they've won every single game. And that is a bet at FanDuel, scoring first and winning. Mm. And I've ridden the 49ers on that for a couple weeks in a row. So that might be sort of my go-to second leg, if I can just figure out the spread. That Uh, for you is like what I did with the Jaguars last year. It was just default. The first eight weeks, I'm just taking the Jags and the points. I'm just going to ride Brock Purdy. I like it. Brock Lobster. Um, Vikings play him in a couple weeks. That should be fun. He's Luke Inman. I'm Sam Ekstrom. The uh, Ron Johnson Show tomorrow on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Wednesday, the Minnesota Basketball Party. And Thursday, the Minnesota Football Party returns. You can find us now on the 24-7 YouTube live stream on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Check that out. And you can find our audio of this show on the Lockdown Vikings feed, where Luke Braun posts every single day, Monday through Friday. Big thanks to Luke. I'm Sam Ekstrom saying goodbye for today on the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota.